Welcome to part one of Health System CIO's interview with Dr. Brett Oliver, CMIO at Baptist Health. In this segment, Oliver talks about the pride he has felt watching his team accomplish so much and clear so many hurdles in such a small amount of time, why he believes rolling out solutions during a pandemic requires a culture change, and the infrastructure challenges that still stand in the way of patient engagement. As much as 80% of patient information is unstructured and stored outside of an EMR, Highland Healthcare helps complete the patient record by consolidating and connecting this unstructured content to core clinical systems. With a full suite of content services and enterprise imaging solutions, Highland gives clinicians a single view of all documents and medical images associated with the patient via the EMR, enabling more informed health decisions and improving patient outcomes. Highland Healthcare. See your whole patient. Visit highlandhealthcare.com to learn more. When you did a recent webinar with us, you talked about the holding pattern that you were in and the challenges that come with that. And talk about how that can impact planning for you. Yeah, certainly it impacts morale for one, because you're working on adrenaline for the last three and a half weeks and and then if you if you hit a lull, it's like pulling an all-nighter, whether you're working in an ER or in college or something, when you when you stop, that's a dangerous yeah. time. Um, right, right. It's also, you know, economically challenging. I mean, our revenues are obviously down tremendously. It's hard for a lot of the country to, to recognize. You think, oh, the healthcare systems are fine. They're getting slammed. Mm -hmm. Yes, certain parts of the country and then your ERs, but... As most hospital finance folks know, your medical beds don't pay the bills. You know, it's your surgeries and procedures and outpatient and radiology and all that have just essentially stopped. So, yeah, it's a real challenge to both prepare for the disaster that could be COVID in your area as well as then start game planning. Okay, what's this got to look like on the other side so we can be viable moving forward? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good point. And in terms of virtual visits, what are you doing there? Oh, wow, that's been crazy. I, sure. <laughs> I hesitate to use the word fun, but there's definitely been some joy in being able to expand this so quickly and some of the mm -hmm. hurdles that you had. You know, we've been working on this for a couple of years and I'll give you some perspective. Prior to COVID, we had urgent care video visits enabled for our system. Um, as of the first of the year, we allowed our own staff to utilize them at a discounted rate. But we're running, I don't know, on a busy day, 15 or 20 period. Mm -hmm. And we had one, essentially one provider that always made me nervous. I was like, well, what happens if she gets sick? You know, oh, we're working yeah. on the demand hasn't been there, yada, yada, yada. To do that okay. to we're into our third week of video visits available for any ambulatory provider in any specialty, urgent care, primary care, cardiology, endocrinology. And our numbers last week were it finally plateaued a bit. We're around 2,300 a day. <laughs> So, oh yeah, I've yeah, gone from really 10 or 15 a day to 2,200, 2,300 a day. It's uh, uh, oh, tested wow. the limits of our capabilities, but really it's been crazy and fun to watch people say, wow, this was good. My patients really like this. This was helpful. Yeah. I don't know that there's any way to claw that back. I think yeah. some of the hurdles that have been knocked down, like telephone visits, counting for video, et cetera, are, they'll claw those back. But that's been fun. I mean, it's not been fun for the reason why we had to do it, but... It's right. been fun to see some of my more Luddite colleagues say, ah, oh, that would never work. That's terrible care. Go, you know what? That wasn't so bad. And if I had a, <laughs> you know, otoscope on the other end of that, that would have been really helpful. Uh, just some things right. we're learning. Oh, yeah. And 
So obviously you had to ramp up really quickly. But how did you do that in terms of getting that feedback both from physicians and patients as well and, and just making sure that this was um, working for everyone? Boy, I tell you, I really think this would have been a six to nine month project, you know, in terms of yeah. the pace with which we normally would go, how we would vet things out. There have been problems arise that we wouldn't have had if we had had the time to vet. Yeah. For instance, we've just transitioned with so much transition. Uh, I digress a little bit, but we were on VIDYO video um, with a deep integration with our EHR, which is epic. And okay. we didn't realize all the different limitations to the different websites, whether you're using Internet Explorer or it's Firefox or it's Chrome. Well, there are definite limitations to video that we didn't know. So we had to learn that okay. you know, on the fly. And so our team that does tip sheets and communication, the training and support team for our ambulatory providers reports to me, and they've been extremely busy. Okay, we've got an update. You know, here's the latest on this. And there has been a lot of grace to go around where stuff like that in the past would have just evoked ire from a a provider or a manager or something like that. There's been a, Hey, just a heads up. This isn't working either. You might want to add that to the tip sheet. And you're like, wow, thank you. (laughs) So it's it's been a pleasure to see everybody pulling in the same direction. So, I mean, we tried to do the best we can on the front end and not roll out something that's not ready, but I've had to do some convincing of some of our, non-clinically facing teams, like our infrastructure teams, they're not used to rolling something out if it's not been tested 10 times, turned around. And I'm not putting that in front of a provider until it's ready to go. And to have to say, no, we have to do this. They would rather have something go wrong one out of 10 times and be able to see nine of those 10 patients than not. So it's been an interesting evolution to watch that culture change. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because obviously you appreciate that they are so diligent. But um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting conversation, I'm sure. Yeah, giving them the comfort level to say, no one's coming after you. Okay, I'll take the heat for this if something goes wrong, but it's okay to let this go right now. I know you haven't done this level of testing or gotten this feedback, but you've got to go. And and you can see, I mean, it's worked for 2,200 plus (laughs) a day. Mm It, it just blows me away, Kate, when you, and maybe those numbers won't stay, but I think they're they're here to stay at least at some level, We're looking at 600,000 virtual visits in a year if you annualize that and like, yeah. holy cow, overnight culture change. And the patient's perceptions, we've not done any, or I've not, at least not seen the reporting on any official surveying yet, but at least anecdotally, the patients have really appreciated, again, seeing their own provider too. A lot of yeah. the carriers, the payers have had an urgent care outlet, whether it's staffed by Amwell or something like that, but, you know, that they would offer, but you're not seeing your doctor and there's a little bit of hesitation of oh, the insurance company is going to provide this for me or my state government is. And to be able to see your own doctor virtually has been uh, a real benefit. Yeah, certainly. And as you said before, there might be people who really don't want this peeled back, especially I imagine that you have a, a decent amount of rural patients. So I, I'm sure that this has been a game changer for them. Yeah, you said a mouthful there, and particularly with some of the things that we've always known we could do. I don't even want to say virtually, but we didn't have to see the patient, mm-hmm. but that's just how we were compensated. Yeah. You know, we didn't get compensated right, right. if we didn't see you. Endocrinology has been one that's, I guess if I think about it, it doesn't surprise me, but it surprised me. They were immediately like, hey, this is going to be great. We can adjust insulin. Like, I don't have to examine you per se to have a conversation about how you're dying and adjust your insulin dose, you know, those kinds of things. That's been right in their wheelhouse. Cardiology has been probably our second to primary care. 
greatest one there. So yeah, it's been helpful. Plus virus isn't likely going away overnight either. And so Mm -hmm. some of our elderly folks that are going to be frightened to come into any office or any hospital area can continue to do that. So I think they'll demand it. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Now you had said that there were some challenges with the video integration. So what did you have to do to, to get past some of that? Uh, a lot of it was education because there were some limitations. You know, if you say, okay, you can't do blank on an Android device. I can't do anything about that. I can't buy you an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> You're just going to have to figure that out on your own. Right, right. Um, we still have some connectivity uh, infrastructure problems in our state or in Southern Indiana as well, where we're doing um, some remote patient monitoring with a device from a company called Current Health. And it either can plug directly into your home Wi-Fi, or if you don't have Wi-Fi capabilities, it uses your cellular network, any cellular network, not yours, um, in the area to create a Wi-Fi network. Well, uh, we had a pilot with them prior to COVID, and when we first rolled that out in parts of Southern Indiana, the uh, home care nurses were coming back saying, it's not working, we can't get a signal. And they were kind of incredulous there, the vendor. Oh, no, no, we'll come out, we'll get it fixed for you. And they came yeah. and they're like, you don't have a cell signal here. <laughs> so we're trying to tell you. So yeah, that's still a, an issue, but it, it's a tough issue for a Baptist individual to you know to solve. And I'm on our state uh, telehealth board, and certainly at that level, you know, we continue to talk about the needs for advancements in sort of the state infrastructure. So that's still a problem. Yeah. Then there's right, still just right. some technical challenge. I think the elderly folks are looked at as oh they're not going to get this. I think that the data shows that that's not just wrong. But you do have some folks that are just they have a flip phone or they just don't trust it or what. I mean, that's going to exist, yeah. uh, but I don't think it's quite the large gap that some would. Our data belies that. We, we find that they yeah. use it well. I get messages all the time from my elderly folks through my chart on in our EHR. I think some of the and, interstate licensing you know, pieces, that'll be interesting to see if that gets clawed back um, a little bit. And I still yeah. think we can do a better job with interfaces to the patient. I think Epic's portal, their my chart is, is excellent. Um, there's still things that make it a little clunky and, you know, continuing to improve that interface for patients will be, will be a good thing. When you mentioned some of those connectivity issues, maybe those are kind of things that will be brought to light more. Once people have kind of had a chance to breathe after this, uh, it would be nice to see things like that get, get attention or funding, I should say. You yeah. know, I think there's, there's a lack of awareness of people in some areas that this is still an issue. That's a great point. I think you're right. I think if your scale is 10 or 15 video visits a day, you just tend to forget, well, they can't even do it in that area. When you scale it up and it's a third of your visits or whatever it might be, uh, all of a sudden that becomes important. We can't provide that care because you're exactly right. It's not just, I mean, surgery post-op visits, the surgeons are clamoring for this right now. They're like, I had to see them. I had to check their wound and make sure they were doing all right. But I hated the fact they had to drive an hour and a half for me to spend 30 seconds with them. It's a global charge. There's no billing piece to work out. And so they're really excited about that. Yeah. And is Epic in place in all of the hospitals at this point? Yes. Yeah, we're integrated with all of our hospitals, which that's a great, it's a point that I don't think about because we're not there. But I start start rolling through some of these organizations that have multiple EHRs. Wow. I mean, it's tough enough to roll all this stuff out within one. Um, I'm glad I haven't had to think about that too much over the last month, but that's that's a great point. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.